Welcome to Mad Tales, twisted tales of terror written, narrated, and produced by me, James Knoll. Welcome back to Mad Tales. I'm James Nolan. It is Monday, February 7th, as I record this in my, well, not my little tiny studio because I forgot I moved into a slightly larger studio in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Before I get into the introduction for today's chapter, I have a big announcement for you. Today is the day. Mungwort, the audiobook, is out right now. You can order it directly from me at silverhammer.studio. It's also on chirp.com, should be on Audible, and a whole bunch of different sites here pretty soon. Mungwar is six plus hours of my golden-throated voice reading your favorite horror thriller directly to you. You can also buy the ebook, paperback, and hardcover right now, either through me or through your retailer of choice, or you can get the Mungwar Total Bundle, which is available only through me at silverhammer.studio. Not convinced? Well, today I have the final chapter that I'm releasing for free on this podcast coming up next. So what's going on in the world of Mungwort? Last week in What in the Happy Horseshit is This, you met Warner and Mueller, our foul-mouthed antagonists, and you got to see CeCe in action as a badass action hero. This week in Sumac on Steroids, CeCe gets a bit of a comeuppance and finds herself alone in the forest beyond the fence that encircles Lilith's farm. Never a good idea when you're in a horror story. So here we go, the final free chapter of Mungwort, Sumac on Steroids. I think I disagree with that philosophy might so much more be. Cece's most vivid dreams always came right before she woke up. This one was no exception. She was standing at the entrance to an old souvenir shop just off of Route 1. The trees on either side of the road were dark smudges in the night. All was still. A warm breeze blew in from the south. Sweat trickled down her neck. Someone was sharpening a blade somewhere in the back of the store. She swept forward, speeding through the shop on stiff legs. Grotesqueries lined the shelves. A stuffed hyena head on a stick. Tentacled faces in jars of green liquid. Pink intestines pressing against clear plastic bags. She zipped past, hooked around a corner, heading for the grating sound. An old man appeared in the back. He was leaning over a grinder, sharpening a bone handle knife. Sparks showered the air as he bore down on the blade. The scene changed, and she materialized in the middle of a park. Acres of green grass, thick woods all around. Her father stood off a ways, beckoning to her. Behind him, his old tool shed, gray and worn and listing, the door swinging open like a mouth. The scene changed again, and she was in a copse on the fence line. A vine wrapped around her neck and squeezed. Her limbs went numb, her head congested, her eyes darkened. Cece sat up in her cot. Harlow stood in the entrance, tying her hair in a ponytail. Bad dream? Cece touched her neck with her fingertips. Nothing. She was fine. When she spoke, her voice was rough, hoarse, as if she'd been shouting. A vine. What? A, a vine was wrapped around my neck. I couldn't breathe. It felt so real. Harlow snorted. <laughs> okay, well, you already missed second call. Better hurry up before they start cleaning up. Break your fast, avoid the lash. At 5.30 in the morning, the field kitchen buzzed with activity. The farm hands gathered for their morning grub, keeping the kitchen staff busy shoveling eggs and bacon, refilling the fruit bins, and making sure the water coolers were always full. Ben lorded over a full table, recounting the story of how Rufus nearly died. Jake and Iko sat on one side of him, and Rufus sat on the other. 
The tree trunk is bouncing at least three feet in the air, and this idiot is jumping up and down like a monkey screaming, Gun the engine! Gun the engine! Ben slapped Rufus's shoulder laughing, and Rufus's face went pale. If this kid had stayed there one more second, holy moly! He mimicked a body flailing through the air, whistling a journey from its apex to its final splat on the tabletop. Amidst the laughter, Cece slid onto the bench across from him, her tray filled with sausage patties and orange slices. But Captain America here comes flying through the air like a, uh, like Captain America and knocks him away a microsecond before the trunk shot up into the air. I mean, come on! Where'd you play college ball, Lawrence Taylor from the New York Giants? Don't mix your metaphors, Benjamin, Cece replied. The table erupted again, even Rufus. Where are you from, Cece? Ico asked. Cece forked some sausage into her mouth and chewed. Here, actually. Good old Frednecksburg? No way. Yep. Grew up in Spotsylvania, actually. Left after I graduated high school. Haven't been back here in a long, long time. You? Florida. Please, no Florida man jokes. I know them all. Trust me. Pennsylvania boy here, Jake said. Ico punched him playfully on the shoulder. Jake, no. What? Delaware. You grew up in Delaware. Jake laughed, stopping when he saw she was serious. Oh, shit, right. Wilmington. He looked at Ico. Wilmington, right? I swear to God, Jake, you forget who I was if I didn't remind you every day. She planted a kiss on his lips. The familiar sound of Warner's truck captured their attention, and they all turned to see it burning down from the fields, a trailer rattling behind. The laughter died. That's our cue, Ico said. She nudged Jake. Come on, baby. I'm not done with my bacon. Leave it. Jake popped one last bite into his mouth before he let her drag him away. By the time the calico pickup rumbled to a stop under the oak tree, those who remained had fallen silent and still, sharing knowing glances or staring at the food in their plates. Ben pretended to find something of vast interest in the space over Cece's shoulder. Warner leaned out of his window and pounded on the door. Let's go! Let's go! Work ain't gonna work itself! What a dick, Cece muttered. Ben and a few of the others chuckled. Warner saw it and jolted out of the cab, marching toward the table like a drill instructor. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Did you say something funny? Cece swallowed her smile. No, sir, just eating breakfast. Uh-huh. Because I could have swore I heard you say something right before all your little friends here laughed. Ben said, she didn't say, did I ask you, lardass? Man, Cece said, knock it off with the fat jokes, okay? Cece, it's fine, Ben said. No, it's not fine. He shouldn't talk to you that way. Warner leaned back and crossed his arms over his ample belly. Well, well, well. You hear that, E.T.? Mueller, leering out of the window of the truck, shifted a toothpick from one side of his mouth to the other. What's that, boss? We got ourselves a little social justice warrior. Uh-oh. I'll get the dogs in the hoses. Give me a break, Cece said. Warner unfolded his arms and leaned on the table resting his gnarled knuckles on the graying wood. This close, Cece could smell his aftershave, the faint sour tang of coffee. She refused to meet his glare, choosing instead to stare straight ahead. Ben's eyes flitted back and forth between them, a look of unadulterated fear on his face. You listen to me, little girl, Warner muttered. If I want to call Lardass over here a Lardass, I'll call him a Lardass. Got it? Cece shifted her eyes to the right. The breakfast sounds. The chatter, the flatware, the glasses had stilled. She felt their eyes on her. She clenched her jaw. Hey, man, Ben broke in. Take it easy. Warner zeroed in on him. What's that, lardass? All she said was break your fast, avoid the lash, okay? Well, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? It's 
It's just something we say, you know, because you guys are always harping on us to eat. Warner grinned. He returned his attention to Cece. Well, pardon my manners, boo-boo. I thought you'd already filled your tank. Go ahead, then, finish up. You're going to need it. He stood erect. That goes for all y'all. Finish up here and get your asses out to the north fence. You ain't going to like what we got in store for you today. Not one bit. He strolled back to the truck, chortling to himself. Cece pushed her plate away. What was that all about? Ben asked. How should I know? For a second there, I thought he was going to punch you in the face. You think? On second thought, Warner called over his shoulder. Pork roll, sugar lips. Y'all coming with us. Mueller hopped in the bed before they left, giving Ben, scrunched up in the corner against the cab, the side eye. You're sitting back here? Ben asked. I thought I'd get to know the new girl a little better. Cece, her arms spread over the tailgate, rolled her eyes. Ben threw a look at the cab. Can I sit? Nope. But it's empty. You got a medical condition or something? I get car sick. Mueller scoffed. He stretched down on the bed between them, his long legs resting on the wheel hub. You can stay right where you are, pork roll. Warner steered the truck across the fields, avoiding as many rabbit holes as he could, keeping his speed below 25. The trailer, in the manner of all trailers, rattled behind, the noise from its parts competing with the two clattering wheelbarrows bungee to the side and the two clinking shovels resting on the bed. Cece let her head roll back and closed her eyes, enjoying the feel of the wind on her face. Then the truck hit a ditch and the bed jolted up and her eyes popped open. Mueller was staring at her. What is your job here exactly? Cece asked. Resident creep? A slow smile spread across Mueller's face. I like the way your cheeks dimple when you talk. Makes you look young. Oh my God, Ben moaned. He pulled his knees up to his chest and gulped air. Mueller slapped his leg. What's wrong, Piggly Wiggly? Too much syrup this morning? Leave him alone, Cece said. Okay, all right. Mueller gazed at her, let his eyes wander down, then up. Seems like we got ourselves off to a bad start, you and me. We didn't get off to any start at all. Whew, you're spicy, ain't you? I like that. All the women in my family were spicy. My mama, my sister, my aunts. Mama and B, that's my sister Beatrice. They didn't get along. Didn't get along one speck. B had herself a sassy way about her. Smart mouth, just like yours. Wasn't really her fault, given the circumstances of her upbringing, but... My, oh my, did she and Mama get into it? He smiled at the memory, then let his eyes fall on Cece again, a different kind of smile appearing on his face. Mama used to strap it right across her bare bottom. Ben burped, clapped a hand over his mouth, and leaned over the side of the truck. There she blows, Mueller laughed. He squatted forward to bang on the cab, and when he did, his shirt pulled up, riding over a familiar-looking sheath. Cece's eyes widened. There it was, out in the open. Hand-carved antler handle, bone inlay of a blazing sun on the grip. Her hand instinctively trailed down to her own blade. It was still there. Pull over, Mueller yelled. Warner whipped open the window panel. What? Captain Intrepid here just barfed all over your port side. God damn it! Warner hit the brakes and skidded to a stop, sending Cece and Mueller lurching forward. I told you, Ben said, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand. Warner hopped out to inspect the damage. All over my tires, he grumbled. You're going to wash that off yourself. Hey, boss, better put him up next to you before he wastes the rest of his fuel for the morning. Warner nodded in agreement. You heard him, deep dish. Get on up there. Warner's truck rolled to a stop just inside the property line at the west field. 
an ancient maple had crushed the fence, taking out multiple sections. The grass was pockmarked with patches of blackened turf, like cigarette burns on a green carpet, no doubt the result of the thick pustule-like balls of fungus that blistered the trunk. Where the fence still stood, great waving carpets of vine, thicket, and bramble engulfed the links. Other sections farther down the line listed and bowed under the weight of the weeds. Links bent out like shotgun wounds, the shoots and thorns spilling through the holes. Cece nodded at the black patches. Did you guys try to burn it? You're funny, Mueller replied. He hopped out of the bed as Ben exited the cab. And that's why Picard was so fucked up about killing the Borg Queen, because in some ways she was his queen, but he also knew she was evil. Warner got out and stomped around to the trailer. So this is our punishment? Cece asked. We have to clear all this by ourselves? Oh, no, Warner said, lowering the trailer gate. We got something much more fun of mine for you two idiots. E.T., my head hurts from listening to whatever it was Stay Puffed was talking about. You mind? My pleasure. He faced Ben and Cece. Them black patches on the ground? That's mungwort residue. Truly disgusting shit. Obviously, we need to fix this part of the fence, but we can't have everybody stomping around in it, tracking it all over the property. So before the main crew comes out, here's what you're going to do. Warner tossed the shovels out of the trailer. Shovel that shit up. Then he rolled the wheelbarrows out onto the grass. Pile it up, followed by the gas cans, and set it on fire. I will not go down without a Hey everybody, it's James again. I'm just popping in here to remind you that Mungwort, the audiobook, will be available to download on February 8th, 2022. And that's a special deal. I've also put together the Mungwort Total Bundle. This deal includes one digital version of Mungwort, the ebook, that is a digital download, one Mungwort audiobook version, also a digital download, one Mungwort hardcover, and finally, one theme song, that CC song, that's going to also be a digital download. So normally this costs $49.99, but I'm offering a special launch price of $29.99 from now through February 8th. All you have to do is go to my store at silverhammer.studio forward slash store, and you can order it there. All transactions are secure. If you're interested in checking out any of these deals, head over to the show notes for the links, or you can just go straight to the source, of course, at Silverhammer.studio. And now, back to the story. Mueller was a creep, but he wasn't a liar. The mungwort residue was indeed truly disgusting shit. At first, Cece thought it would be, well, not easy, but equivalent to digging up a garden. This was most certainly not the case. The fried charcoal surface belied the thick, boggy goo underneath. It dripped off their shovels, steaming even in the heat. Ben, his shirt pulled up over his nose, scooped a tar-like shovelful into his wheelbarrow with a splat. What do you think it smells more like, feet or ass? He asked. Both, Cece said. She tied a bandana around her face. Fias. As feet. Ass face. They laughed despite the toil. After 20 minutes, Cece's shirt hung turgid with sweat, and black filth dotted her arms. After 40, so much crud coated her skin that she didn't know where the mungwort residue ended, and she began and she couldn't get Mueller's knife out of her head. She remembered their conversation back in the truck. That's some knife you got there, she said. Aw, shucks, you like it? Where's a guy like you get a knife like that? Why do you care? Cece shrugged. Antler handle? Bone inlay? Knife like that tends to have a story. Sure does. Mueller's sleepy eyes remained glued to hers. I got something on my face? Cece asked. Nah, 
I just like looking at you. Dude, just stop. She turns her attention back to the fields. Three workers in rubber overalls slumped by. Red splotches marred their faces like acid burns. Their arms, too. And their hair looked patchy and bald in places. They stared dead-eyed as a truck passed. I need a break, Ben said. Cece looked up, startled out of the memory. Yeah, me too. They sat down next to each other and surveyed their work. The pile they'd made was impressive, but of the fifty-so-odd mungwort residue patches they needed to clear, they'd only excavated five. Fuck me, Cece said. Five an hour isn't bad, right? Not if you want to work for ten hours straight. Ben emptied his water bottle. I'm starving. How close are we to lunch? Cece was about to respond when her phone vibrated in her back pocket. She stood up and clapped the dirt off her hands. I need to go to the bathroom. She picked up her shovel. Back in a flash. The world is your toilet, Ben called after her. Gross, Ben. The fields were a flat plain for at least a half mile in every direction. Nothing but wind and grass. So the only place she could get a bit of privacy was on the other side of the fence. In the wild woods filled, according to Harlow, with every kind of poisonous plant on the planet. She picked her way through the dead branches among warp blackened vines, using her shovel to push the worst of it aside. After a few dozen yards, the underbrush cleared, and she found herself in a kind of leaf and branch covered dome. The air was stale and stuffy, but it was better than being out in the sun. She dug her phone out of her pocket and looked at the screen. One bar? Fuck! She held it up over her head. Still one bar. And the battery was down to 30%. Double fuck. Then a text notification from Scarface popped up, and she swiped the glass. You there? She thumbed a quick response. Hit send. Yeah. Three dots appeared on the screen, blinking, blinking, blinking. Then they stopped. No, 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 Cece said. She held the phone up, searching for a signal. Nothing. She stepped farther into the thicket. Come on, come on. The dots reappeared. Her phone rang. Yes, she cried, and she swiped the screen open. Dude, where the fuck have you been? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Cece, I'm here. Where the fuck have you been? In the hospital, no thanks to you and that coffee. Ah, oh, shit, man, sorry, but I had to improvise. First-degree burns, Cece. Oh, good thing your face is already fucked up. Not funny. Listen, the connection's weak out here, so we gotta hurry. Something tickled her ankle, and she pulled her leg back with a gasp. She looked down. Nothing but a thorny vine. Must have accidentally brushed up against it. Back to the phone. So listen. A burst of static came from the other end. Q, you there? Yeah, listen, I need you to watch out for... His voice degraded into a digital beep before returning with, In the basement. What's in the basement? No, don't go into the basement. Basement? What basement? In the- Ow! Cece looked down again. This time a vine had snaked up her pant leg and wrapped around her knee. What the fuck? She cut it in half with a shovel blade and carefully removed the piece that had sneaked up her jeans. The tips of the thorns were red with her blood, and when she rolled her pants up, she saw three black puncture wounds. She tossed the vine away, disgusted, and rolled her cuff back down, pressing it against her shin to staunch the blood. She looked back at her phone. The signal had disappeared. Damn it, she whispered, and she put the phone back in her pocket. She took a step away, heading for the breach, but almost tripped. A third vine had wrapped around her ankle. She cut it in two and, hopping on one foot to rip it off, stumbled into a tree covered in bramble and thicket. The arm holding the shovel plunged into a nest of prickers. Fuck! She wrenched it out and down, pulling the vines with her, the thorns leaving bloody ruts in her skin. She inspected her wounds. They were deep, but not terminal. The surrounding trees creaked. A warm breeze shook the leaves, bringing with it the heady scent of goldenrod and sweet fern. Was that a footstep? 
The snap of a twig? She cocked her head, straining to listen. Nothing. Okay, she thought. Fuck this. She ripped the vines off her arms with a grunt and brought the blade of the shovel down, slicing another in two. As if on cue, the brush rattled to life. Branches shot out of the woods like crooked fingers. Vines whipped down from above. Something lashed her cheek. With a scream, Cece wound up and swung the shovel like a heavy hitter, swatting down an angry bow, shooting straight for her face. Out in the field, Ben dozed on a clean section of grass, fluttering on the edge of a full-on nap. Cece screamed and his eyes flashed open. He sat up again, wondering if he heard what he thought he heard. Cece screamed again, grunted, and yelled, God damn it! Grimacing, Ben lay back and closed his eyes. Gross. A vine crept up Cece's pant leg. A third tore at her wrist again. More wound together like rope, wrapped around her shovel, and ripped it free. Another encircled her throat and squeezed. Cece's eyes bulged. Now they bound her ankles. Now they encircled her stomach. Now they wrapped around her forehead. Only her left arm was free. She had maybe a few seconds before they restrained her entirely, and then... And then what? No time to worry about that. She grabbed her knife with her free hand, whipped it out of the sheath, and sawed at the vines around her throat. The point of the knife cut into her jaw. Blood ran down her face. One vine popped like a broken guitar string, followed by two more, and then her neck was free. All right, bitches, she muttered. And with a feral roar, she hacked at the vines on her arms, her ankles, left, right, rip, rip. She lurched back the way she had come, but a wall of brambles blocked her escape, encircling her on all sides. She sheathed her knife, snatched the shovel off the ground, and hacked into it. The wall shook. A few branches cracked, but it didn't give. She swung the shovel again. A few more branches snapped, but the wall held. Motherfucker! She screamed, and she threw herself into the attack. Ben! Ben sat up when he heard his name, frowning at the woods. Had he really heard that? Ben! Ben struggled to his feet, saying, All right, all right. Leaning on his shovel, knees popping, he started for the woods, a tiny limp in his step. Ben! Help! At that, he broke into a run. He sprinted through the breach, turned right, and hit a wall of vine and branches that hadn't been there before. Ten feet high and solid as stone, they created an impenetrable dome. As he watched, Cece yelled, and the wall shook as if struck by something on the other side. Cece? Ben, get me out of here! There's a wall of vines! I know! What do you want me to do? Get me out of here! How? The wall shook again, and a hole formed. Cece's eyes appeared. You got your shovel? Yeah. Use it! Her eyes disappeared, replaced by the blade of the shovel. When she ripped it back, the wall shuddered like a thing alive. Ben joined her, and they hacked away at the opening, sticks and leaves flying. It widened bit by bit. Almost there, Ben said. Cece, panting, sweat pouring down her face, grit her teeth, heaved the shovel over her head and, shoulders flexing, biceps bulging, brought it down with a scream, aiming for a knot of tangled vines and branches. The blade cut through the air and sliced deep into the wall and stuck. Fuck! She pulled back, grunting, but the blade wouldn't move. The wall shuddered again, and then right before her eyes, the branches and vines wound their way around each other, reforming the breach into a solid barrier. Cece yelled something, but her voice was faint. Cece? Ben said. Another reply, fainter this time, like she was moving farther away. Crashing and slashing, a few labored grunts. The wall pulsed, and a wave rippled across it. Ben took a step back. Cece, can you hear me? The wall pulsed again. A dimple appeared. Dead leaves and broken sticks flew out of the center. Cece's shovel came next, whirling like a helicopter blade. It whipped overhead and crashed into the branches behind him. The wall puckered one last time, and in a rush of thorns, briar, and bramble, Cece shot out of the center. 
Ben barely had time to let out a scream before she hit him full in the chest, knocking him flat. She landed face down behind him, skidding in the dirt for a few feet before coming to a stop against a stump. They lay there for a moment, stunned and exhausted. Then Ben said, I mean, that must have been some piss. For the second time that week, Cece limped, injured and dirty, into her empty yurt. Harlow's cot looked military ready, the blanket taut and smooth, two pillows neatly propped up against the head. Iko's looked like a body had been stashed under the sheets. Her pillows were heaped, lumpy and disturbing, and a variety of toiletries, clothes, and essential oil vials dotted the ridges and slopes. A fine mist of yellow pollen coated everything, the cots, the dirt floor, the bedding, even the canvas walls. Cece stumbled over to her bag, rummaged around for a moment, and pulled out a half-empty fifth of vodka. She spun the top off, took a shot, grimaced, and poured some over the red, raw wound that was her ankle. Ah, fuck, that hurts. Oh, my God. Iko stood in the entrance, freshly showered, one towel covering her body, one done up like a turban on her head. Harlow squeezed by her, took one look at Cece, and snorted. <laughs> you look like shit. Told you to cuff your pants. You didn't tell me the fucking woods were possessed. Whatever. What happened to you? Iko asked. She didn't gear up. That's what happened to her, Harlow said. No, Cece replied. The vines attacked me. Harlow sat primly on the edge of her cot. Yeah, right. Ben and I were clearing that mungwort shit out of the west field. I went to go take a piss and they attacked. Like snakes. Like they wanted to kill me. Iko watched her with wide eyes. Are you serious? No, Iko, she's not serious, Harlow said. She fell into something and now she's trying to cover up her stupidity. I'm telling you, Cece said. They wrapped around my ankles and my wrists. Built a fucking wall and... Let me see, Harlow said. See what? Your legs. Let me see. What do you care? Because if you stumbled into poison oak, you can spread that shit everywhere. You might need something more than vodka to stop it. Harlow slipped on her work gloves, knelt, and gently rolled Cece's jeans back. Blood, black and crusted, coated her ankle and shin. The skin was raw and red. Are those puncture wounds? That's what I was talking about. The thorns, you probably hit some poison sumac. Sumac on steroids? Are you allergic? Not that I know of. Iko fished around in her cot and came up with a little brown vial. I've got some lavender oil. No thanks. It'll help with the pain. Cece rubbed her neck. It was raw, but at least it didn't itch. She peeled her shirt over her head, trying not to let the fabric touch her face. Her torso was clear, but her wrists felt swollen and itched like crazy. She unbuttoned her pants and rolled them down, stopping at her knees. Iko gasped and put her hand to her mouth. Every inch of skin on Cece's legs glowed red and puffy. Black puncture wounds dotted the muscles in her calves, quads, and hamstrings. Blood ran and sweated, and a few of the worst patches were already oozing pus. Cece looked at it for a moment, seemingly uncomprehending, before tipping her head back for a long pull off of the vodka. All right, thanks again for tuning in to Mad Tales in this final free chapter of Mungwort Sumac on Steroids. If you are so inclined, go to silverhammer.studio and check out the audiobook there. You can also get it on Audible or Chirp or a variety of other retailers out there. And that's it. I am working on new podcast-only material. I'll be writing that through most of 2022, so you probably won't hear from me for a little while. But when you do, it's going to be something pretty awesome. I think you will agree with my philosophy.